If you'll turn in your Bibles this morning to John chapter 13, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 15. And as you turn there, the question is, how do you determine someone's character? What would you say is, is good character? What would you say and point to and say, this person has good character? Now, some of us might use that old sort of phrase in which we say, character is what you do when no one's watching. So maybe there's a little bit of that. Um, and at the same time, there's, there's character in which we want to say, hey, what, what you say, we want to have you match what you do. And, and what you do, we want to match what you say. So this morning, as we study this text, I want us to look at and say, what was Jesus's character? Who is, what is the character of Jesus? Who is Jesus? So this is John chapter, ver chapter 13, verses 1 through 15. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simeon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet his whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Let us pray. God, we pray that as we go throughout our lives that you just make abundantly clear and reveal to us who you are, that you are God, that you claim to be God, that you've shown your divinity, that you have shown us that we are to praise and worship you and to glorify you. We pray that we see that not just in your words but also in your actions the fact that you love us, the fact that you took on the role of a servant, although you are God, and died in the place of sinners. We thank you that we can reflect upon these things today, and we pray, pray that we have a reaction to it. It is not just some knowledge, it is not something to just understand, but it is something to apply to our lives, to have an impact on our hearts in the way that we live, in the way that we interact with others, and the way that we worship and glorify you. In your name, amen. Kevin Ford is a man who believes that you should be grateful for every day of your life. Not only to believe that, but he believes that every day you should be thankful for those days that you get to get up and go to work. 
and that you should go to work and work hard to provide for your family, to care for your kids, to provide them with an education. And one of the things that he thinks is so important to life is he, he says that if you say you are going to go to work, you should go to work and do a good job. Now, Kevin Ford has worked at a Burger King in the Las Vegas airport for the past 27 years. Now, what makes Kevin Ford remarkable is in the past 27 years, he has never missed a scheduled day of work. Not once in 27 years. And so, obviously, you know, that's, that's pretty remarkable. I mean, I, I haven't done that in the past five years, you know, but he, he has made every single day that he is scheduled for work, he's been there. So one of his managers wanting to celebrate his 27th year anniversary of working at this Burger King in the Las Vegas airport decided to make a little gift for him. So she, she bought a little bag and she filled it with pens and a Starbucks tumbler and some movie tickets. And one of his coworkers decided to film his reaction to it and so he gets the bag, and, and he's just so ecstatic, so thankful. He's, he, oh, movie tickets, I can, I can go to the movies, and thank you for the tumbler. I'm going to put this next to my bedside table, and he's super excited. So they post the video online, and of course, it goes viral. And there's an outpouring of support in which people say, we need to do more for this guy. Like, <laughs> he's, he's worked 27 years without missing a day of work. There, there needs to be more. Like, he needs more than a Starbucks tumbler. So his daughter, hearing this sort of cry for, for more, decided to set up a GoFundMe page. And she said, you know, I need, my father hasn't seen his grandchildren in quite a few years. As you know, he works hard, but also he makes, you know, not a lot of income, so he can't, we can't really afford plane tickets. But if we could raise $200, that would give us enough money to bring him out and see his grandchildren. Well, the Today Show got a hold of this, so the Today Show invited him out. They, they flew him out to New York City, and, and as they're interviewing him, um, they're asking him questions of, you know, why did you do this? What do you think about work? And everything like that. And halfway through the interview, what do they do? They surprise him with his grandkids, right? His grandkids come out. You know, he starts crying. His daughter starts crying. He's like, look how big you've gotten. But the fascinating thing of the story I think, I mean, the whole story is amazing, but the GoFundMe page, at the time of the Today Show taping, the GoFundMe page had raised over $170,000. And as of this weekend, it raised $280,000. And on the GoFundMe page, there was post after post after post of saying, you're an inspiration. The world needs more fathers like you. You are a humble man and a treasure. So go back to the question that we asked before reading the text. Who is a person of character? How do you distinguish character? And, and in general, I think someone with good character, we would say that their words match their actions and vice versa. If someone says, you should work hard, you should care, provide for your family, we would want to see that take place as it did in Kevin Ford. If someone says, you should be humble, we want to see acts of humility in them. If someone says, you should be loving, that you should love your neighbor, that you should care for others, then we would want to see that love on display. Both sides need to be true. Both sides, 
that if you say something, if you say, this is what's true of me, this is what I believe, then we would say, then show it. Do your actions match your words? And I think for us, when we see good character in this world, when we see people who put on this display of this great character, what is our reaction to it? Because you kind of have to react to it, right? You can't, people didn't donate $280,000 to Kevin Ford because they thought he was an okay guy. They saw something in him. They saw something that inspired them. They, they, they said, there's something inside me that makes me want to give to this man. There's, there's something that makes me want to change. As, as people said, you're an inspiration. You make me want to be a better father. So the big question for us this morning is, what is the character of Jesus? And how do we react to that character? What did Jesus say about himself? Did his actions match his words? And how do we react to those words and actions. So go back to the passage. Even though Jesus has spent the last three years preaching and teaching and and performing miracles, he once again reminds us of who he is. Look at verse 3. The text itself is reminding us. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And not only does the passage recognize it, but even Jesus himself in verse 13, in which it says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Jesus proclaims, I am God. I am the Lord. This is not something in which Jesus was kind of confused about his identity, in which Jesus said, you know, I'm just a really, really good person. It is not something in which Jesus said, hey, I just want to be a religious person and I just want to follow God. It is not something in which his identity was hidden from himself, in which Jesus says, I don't think I'm God, even though he was. It's it's not like that at all. It is very bold in our face in which Jesus makes the claim, I am God. I am the Lord. And he has said this all throughout the past three years of his ministry. This is not the first time that he said it. He has said, I and the Father are one. And at some point, some of the Pharisees challenged him and said, who are you? And he says, before Abraham I am. And that was the way that God referred to himself in the Old Testament by saying, I am. And what Jesus does is he says, the way that you refer to God is the way that you should refer to me, that I am. So Jesus is very bold in saying, I am the Lord. I am God. I and the Father are one. So not only does he say he's God, but he also says that he loves and he serves. Look back at verse 1. Once again, the text reminds us at the end of verse 1, it says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of the love, both the, in the word and in action. And then verse 14, what does he say? Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. You should perform acts of love. And, and what Jesus is doing in this passage is saying, I have loved you. I care for you. I want to be with you. And we don't just see it in the passage. Once again, we see it throughout the three years of Jesus' ministry life in which he says, I have come to seek and to save the lost. I care for those who are lost. I care for those who are struggling. And he even says this great line, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. He says, to show the greatest amount of love for someone is to die for them. 
And so in this passage, what we see and all throughout Jesus' life, we see that he claims to be God and he claims to be loving. He claims, I am the divinity of God, that I, that I am your Lord, and he claims, I'm going to love you. I'm going to care for you. I am for you. But when we talk about character, we, we want to see it, right? We want to see it in action. And do we see it? Well, there's something significant about this passage because the question for us is, where does character really shine through? And I would argue that most of the time it's in times of pressure, right? It's rather easy, for example, to say to all of you, should you cheat on an exam? And all of us sitting right here would say, no, that's, that's not appropriate, that's not okay. But when you're sitting in the classroom and you hadn't studied and you hadn't done the homework and the test comes and you know it would be rather easy for me to cheat right now and you know you probably wouldn't get caught and you know that it's going to go a lot better with your relationship with your parents and with the teacher if you get the better grade then get an F then character really shines through do you cheat or do you not and for us adults in the room it's it comes when it's tax time right you're filling out the numbers and you go, if I just change this number ever so slightly, I'm going to owe a lot less money or get a bigger refund. It's in moments of pressure that character really shines through. So what about a coming death? Is that not one of the greatest moments of pressure? Because that's where we're at in this passage. It's the night before Jesus is going to die. He's gathered his closest friends together. He's gathered his disciples in a room to enjoy a final meal, his final meal with them. And they're still a little confused about what's going to happen. They're not really sure that his death is coming, but Jesus is well aware of what is about to take place. And so just to take a side track real quick, have you ever thought about what you would say to people if you knew you were going to die the next evening? What would be your final words to people? What would be your final act? What would be the actions that you'd want to put on display? What would be the thing that you would want people to point to and say, this is who this person is. This is the character of this person. This is what the person really cared about. This is the, person, this is the thing that they wanted to impart onto my life. Well, what was Jesus' final act? It was to wash his friend's feet. And just to be clear, in that, in that time and place, this was a really gross task, right? I mean, people, some people wore sandals. Most people probably wore bare feet. They're in an arid, desert-like environment in which there's going to be sand and there's going to be rocks and there's going to be no public sanitation system. So they're walking through this mess of an environment in which their feet are getting calluses and sores and they're going to be gross. And they go into a place in which, listen, I want to make it explicitly clear, the the job for cleaning people's feet in that time was not reserved for a master. It took no special skill. It was reserved for probably the lowliest servant or slave of the house. And yet, what does Jesus do? He takes those stinky, smelly, gross feet. He kneels before others and washes their feet. He did it. He washes their feet. And why is this such a big deal? Because of what Jesus claimed to be. He claimed to be God. We would not expect a God to do this. We would not expect someone who says, I am God, that you should worship me, that you should look to me as Lord, to get down and take the lowliest position of a slave. 
And this is a great example that Jesus did not disdain from the lowliest tasks of a servant, that he calls us to serve others and he does serve others. And this is not Jesus forgetting his own rank of going, oh, I forgot I was God. No, he, he recognized and is willing to take the form of a servant, although he was God. And this is Jesus' proof of his love for his disciples. He is showing them humility and servanthood and saying, I love you and I'm willing to sacrifice for you. So what does this say about Jesus' character? It says Christ, that what he said about himself, that I am God and that I am loving, matches everything that he does, everything that he has done. There's no discrepancy between his words and his actions, and there's remarkable character there. And I think that if you said to Jesus, what is the last thing that you want to do before you died, and what is the thing that you want us to take away from what you have done, it would be this. And I want to be clear, I think this is written throughout all of Scripture. This is written throughout all of church history. I think if there is anything that I want you to walk away from this morning with, it's this. That Jesus said he loves us, and he loved us. Jesus says he loves us, and he does. And the question for us is, do we believe that? Do we believe that Jesus is God? Do we believe that Jesus loves? Can we see that in his actions? Do you believe it? And I think we all struggle with this in one way or another, whether you're a believer or whether you're a non-believer, because just play the character game with me again. First, who would you say Jesus is? Just think. If someone asked you, who is Jesus, what would you say? And now, do your actions match that belief? If you had to stand and be put to the test, would your actions match that belief? Now, thankfully, we don't have to stand and be put to the test because we have Peter. And, and I got to say, thank God for Peter in the Bible because he gets to be our example all the time. Because look back at what Peter does. Verse 6 through 8. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do, not, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So what is Peter's words? Lord. He refers to Jesus as Lord. And in those times, there was times in which people referred to Lord as sort of a formal greeting of like, sort of like our common phrase of sir. But that's, that's not what Peter's doing here. Peter is saying, you are my Lord. You are, you are above me. You are someone that I should follow. You are someone that I should obey. There is, there is distance in our relationship in which you are the one. You are Lord of my life. And yet, what does his actions display? You can almost see it take place, right? Where Jesus is bringing the water over and kneeling before Peter. And Peter says, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus says, yes. Yeah. And it's almost as if Peter takes a step back of like, no, Lord. No, you will never wash my feet. And, it, and the, in the Greek, it's, it's a little bit more clear in which it says, Peter says, for all of eternity, you will never wash my feet. And what he says in his words couldn't be more opposite of his actions. You are my Lord, and yet I want to, I want to decide what this relationship is going to look like. I'm going to decide 
what I want to do. I'm going to decide what I obey and what I don't obey. And it's hard for us. It's not as easy as it seems because what we believe about Jesus and what we'd say about Jesus, there's times where it doesn't match our actions towards Jesus. Because for some of you, you might say, listen, I don't, I don't really believe in God, but I think Jesus is sort of a good person. You say, I, th- I think, I think he's, he has some inspirational quotes. I think he has some good ideas. I just don't believe he's God. But that doesn't match what Jesus said about himself. There, you're, you're not making a comment on the rest of his divinity. You can't just say that Jesus is a good person because you either have to say he's Lord, which he's claimed for himself, or you have to call him a liar, in which he claimed to be God, but he really wasn't. Or you have to say he's a lunatic, where he really did believe he's God, but he's not. But you can't just go and say, I think Jesus was a good person, and say, but I don't want to comment on anything else. And for some of us, we, we're on the opposite side, where we go, you bet. Jesus is divine. He is God. He is in control. He is Lord. He, can, he, he controls everything. He's in charge of everything. He's the creator of life. He's the Alpha and Omega. And then in our lives, we go, but I need to control everything. (laughs) Everything my child does, sees, thinks, hears, and we need to fight. We need to fight against where culture is headed because if we, if it goes, listen, I'm I'm not sure where culture is headed, but if I don't do something, if I don't fight against this, then it's going to be a train wreck and and society is going to be over. And you say, yeah, but didn't you just say that God is in control? Didn't you just say that God is all-knowing and all-powerful and has the world in his hands. And for some of us, it's really easy. We say, you bet Jesus is loving. You bet. I, I know Jesus loves me. I know Jesus is a loving God. Listen, out of everyone in the world, it's, I look to Jesus as my example of love. But then we get to the commands and we go, I don't want to obey that one. I don't like that one. And we even challenge it and say, I don't think a loving God would do that. I'm going to do whatever feels right to me. And we say, but yeah, you just said he was loving. You just said that he loves. And you just said that you know that he cares for you. God's not going to give you a command in which he doesn't love you. He doesn't do it to harm you. He does it because he loves you. He gives you this command because he desires the best for you. I want to be clear that thankfully Jesus' character is not based on what we say about him or how we react to him. It's not based on our actions. No matter what I do, no matter what I say, Jesus is the same. But what we get to point to and say is that throughout Jesus' life, throughout Jesus' ministry, who Jesus is is above all God, and he is a loving God. And there's no, nothing more striking than this. Although believing himself to be divine, he did not take on the divinity and say, come with chariots of fire before his disciples and say, now bow down and worship to me. Instead, there's no, self, instead, there's no aspect of self-importance to Jesus. Instead, he takes the form of a servant and washes his feet. He claims to be a servant, although he is God. And even in the face of pending death, what does he do? He performs the simple act of washing his disciples' feet. And why? It's because he loved them. And he loves you too. And this is the beautiful truth, is I want to make explicitly clear that at one point in Peter's relationship with Jesus, Jesus actually says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. 
And even though Peter messes up in this situation, what does Jesus do? He washes Peter's feet. And not only that, but whose feet does Jesus wash as well? Judas, the one who's going to betray him. Jesus knows that Judas is not for him, and yet Jesus serves him. Jesus washes Judas's feet. And that seems like the biggest act and surprise of love and humility and service that we could see from Jesus. But it goes deeper because on that night, God said to Jesus, obey me and you will die. And Jesus did. Jesus obeyed. He not only washed his disciples' feet, but he died for them. And not just for them, but for you he loves you. He did this to draw close to you, to draw you near, to bring you into a relationship with himself. Because because of our sin, because of our denying Jesus as Christ, because of denying God, we have sin in our lives. And yet Jesus said, I have come to wash you clean, to show you my love, to die on the cross for your sins. Because I'm going to die in your place. Although the penalty for sin is death, I will take that penalty. I will once again serve you to show you my love. And he didn't, but, but here's the thing is, this, this I think is the greatest act of Jesus of showing his divinity because he didn't stay dead like a normal man. He rose again. He was resurrected on the third day and now he is in heaven calling you into a relationship with himself. And what, what we get to see in Jesus is his interactions with his disciples because, look, he didn't demand perfection from his disciples. He didn't demand them to be good men or better than others. He asks them and he asks us to follow in the exact same path that he walked, one of humility. And if you are able to be humble, if you are able to come before Jesus and say, I don't have it all together, I need a Lord in my life. I need someone to direct my life. I need someone to tell me what to do. And I'm going to follow the most loving God in the universe. Then Jesus will say, let me wash your feet as well. He will say, let me take care of your sores. Let me take care of that pain that you're carrying. And let me wash your feet. I love you. And he loves us. So what is our reaction to this? Who is Jesus? What is Jesus' character? Do his words match his actions? If Jesus says he is a loving God and you see that loving God in action, how do you react to it? The call for us, the call for the rest of our lives is to continually reflect on the character of Jesus and react to that character to change our lives in such a way which we say, I want to match the character of Jesus. I want to follow Jesus as my Lord. And so my challenge for you this morning is to really reflect on the character of Jesus and see maybe there's something that you're missing. If you're not sure that Jesus is God, then I challenge you to explore. Did Jesus really say he was God? Did he act like God? And if he did, if he said and he did, then how do you react to that? If you aren't sure about God's commands, if you, if you look throughout the Bible and you say, I don't like that command, I don't like this one, that you think maybe Jesus isn't loving, then I challenge you 
does Jesus' claim of love match his actions? And if it does, then maybe you're missing something about that command. And if you struggle, like me at times, where, look, I get up, I think every day, and say, Jesus is my teacher and Lord, but I fail at times to care for my neighbor. I fail at times to actually fulfill that belief. Then return to who Jesus said he is, that he has loved his own, and that he will continue to show them the full extent of his love. And then go forth, knowing that you're forgiven, knowing that Jesus washed your feet, and wash other feet as Jesus has commanded. Go and serve others. Go and serve, show others the love of Christ.